You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras. Now, it's summertime, and that means it's time to start getting our trail cameras ready and our trail cameras out to start capturing pictures of velvet bucks. And our friends at Exodus are kicking things off with Velvet Fest. Now, what is Velvet Fest? Long story short, Velvet Fest is the opportunity for you to win a variety of different prizes just by purchasing Exodus Trail Cameras, one of the best trail cameras on the market. Now, until July 12th, when you purchase any trail camera, you will be automatically entered into a drawing to win a variety of prizes from companies like Wicked Tree Gear, Maven Rifle Scopes, Tethered Tree Saddles, and of course, Exodus Trail Cameras. Be sure to follow Exodus on Facebook and Instagram, and be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com for more information on Velvet Fest. Welcome to the For Love of Land podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. Each week, we're interviewing guests from across America. They all have one thing in common. They all are tied to the land. So if you're like us and you love all things land, welcome home. Welcome back, guys, to another For Love of the Land podcast. This is Matt Dye, real estate kind of theme that we typically go with uh, for this podcast series. But it really takes a good look into the boots-on-the-ground approach of the land management and the practices that are happening across the country on public ground, whether it's managed by the state or whether it's managed um, federally, this podcast is going to do that. And I think that this is definitely a, a very talked about pot, uh, topic during I don't know, the last two years. It has really resurfaced. Um, and so, I, you know, I think it's important for us to talk about it and provide some insight. And then again, interview and talk with folks who are actually doing these types of practices and watching what is happening um, to these lands as they're transformed, as they're improved, as they're managed. Um, So this is a great topic to talk about. Uh, Again, stepping a little bit away from the private ground and working more to the public ground side of things. So hopefully it's going to give you guys a good insight of uh, things that are happening out there, maybe in your neck of the woods. Um, but before we jump into the actual topic this week, um, just want to say thank you guys certainly for listening and following along on social media um, and YouTube. There's a lot of cool things that guys were we're doing and and working a lot behind the scenes, and uh, we're we're super excited to be getting closer and closer to releasing that kind of stuff. So be following along, be watching. Um, if you go and look at the store, you'll see some new things there. Um, that's that's part of the things that are that are coming and working. So again, guys, we're super excited, and uh, thank you guys for for listening. In the next couple months, the end of July, and then again in September. We'll be traveling, um, working some properties in Ohio. Uh, we'll be there for some extended periods of time. So if you guys are interested or in that area or in the travels, um, the route there between here and Missouri, and you guys are interested in having us out, just let us know. Um, shoot us an email and info at landandlegacy.tv. We'll definitely reach out to you and uh, get hooked up there. So, all right. I think that covers just about everything, and um, we'll just jump right in. Alrighty, I've got uh, Chad Keith on the line. Chad, are you there? I'm here. How's what it going? up, man? Oh, it's going good. Just uh, we're finally getting to summer up here um, in Missouri. I know you're you're down in Arkansas and have probably felt the summer heat, but uh, it's just been super mild through the month of June. We've had crazy amounts of rain and just. Low 80s at at best, and now we're finally getting up and and hitting the yeah, 90s. Now it's, now it's to the miserable season. Yeah, now it's like it's you know to what? the I'm done. Ticks and ticks and chiggers <laughs> and then I tell you one thing. Heat. One thing we don't deal with up there that we do down here at work is the gnats. Oh yeah, no, there's we, certain we times that. of the year that those those little gnats are just they fly in your eyes nonstop. 
Yeah, no, I thank yeah. goodness too. And I know, shoot, and not really even where you're at. You're more western, um, but the eastern portion of the state, southeast portion of the state, last year had horrible, horrible times with uh, flies. Last year, black flies. Well, it the, was. they were dealing with the buffalo. The gnats. buffalo. That's gnats. where. That's where yeah, it the, was. The that's buffalo right. gnats were killing. Uh, it was. They were so bad they were killing deer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that was where people were. People were asking the game and fish to to go and and like aerial spray them to kill them mm-hmm. it's like you don't realize what kind of problem you're biting off spray That's... just spraying insecticides to kill just a certain thing. aerial applications you're gonna, yeah you're gonna cause a biological disaster starting to just spray like that exactly well and, and that's the thing it's like especially in that portion of the state there's just so much water down there and just still stagnant water that it uh man it's, it's something that they deal with every year but last year was absolutely incredible His, i don't even know if it was historical or not but uh, i mean they were canceling like school activities because it was just so bad kids couldn't go outside nothing it was horrible but uh yeah thank gosh we don't deal with that and you've got gnats in your area um but basically, it's just that it's just that time of year. It it's is. the time of year where all of everything's flourishing. Spiders everywhere. The yeah. spider webs through the timber. You can't walk ten you feet just without smacking your to face. It. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's all part of it. Um, but Chad, I want to I want to chat with you today. And of course, everyone probably knows you and and uh, don't need much of an introduction at this point. Uh, as many times you've been on and um, been on videos and everything, but. Um, we're kind of going a little bit different of a route um, and some discussions than, than what we probably typically do or people would maybe expect from us. Um, but you work with the U.S. Forest Service in western Arkansas. And yeah, I, you guys have kind of mentioned it, I guess. A couple of times I've been on mm-hmm. kind of what I do, but never have really. I mean, you said I work for the Forest Service, but right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a wildlife technician in the Wachita National Forest. There you have it. And I've, so that's, it, it just varies from day to day on what we do. Um, it's getting to be the stream survey time of the year mm-hmm. where we're doing stream surveys for kind of checking stream health sure. around our timber areas. But uh, So e- evaluating, um, using basically aquatic life as an indicator or looking at the water yeah, itself so we're as we're going in and checking, and... like post. We have like permanent, permanent uh, survey sites. Sure. And then we have some that we we position according to timber sales, just checking mm-hmm. stream health. We're checking species, species diversity. Yep. Um, we have certain species that are more sensitive to turbidity in the water or mm-hmm. anything pollution, any of that, and we're checking for those species to signal that the streams are healthy. Sure. We do plant surveys in the streams too, and physical condition surveys, checking erosion and everything. And then uh, like even the invertebrate surveys as well. Right. Because you can you can determine stream health pretty fast and according to those species. So. Right. Whether they're there or how abundant and prevalence, everything. Yes. So and it's one of those we do those we have the permanent ones and then we have the temporary ones or like the ones that we do according to timber sales just to make sure everything we're not affecting the streams by in our timber management. Sure. Sure. Definitely. Um, you know, and there's, you know, that's just one aspect and that's just kind of a, you know, a seasonal thing that you guys are doing right now. But, you know, in, in a given year, throw out some other things that your job, your position does. And guys, this is going to make sense as we kind of come back to this in a little bit. Um, when we really talk about some of the bigger products that are happening out there on the landscape across many, many states, um, thousands and hundreds of thousands of acres of public ground owned by the U.S. Forest Service. Um, you know, there, there's tons and tons of land out there, but give us just a brief idea, Chad, of, of other activities that you well, do throughout a year. It does vary according to your location. Well, I mean, sure. every location has – we are very timber-heavy in our forest. It's a very timber minded forest. Um, 
So a lot of our projects are based around timber. Some some forests are more recreation minded. Some there's some forests in the nation that really don't harvest much timber. Mm-hmm. It may be according to who. It, it, it's it's just according to locations on what what a lot of their emphasis is on. Um, ours varies. I mean, in the spring we help with burning. It's our our district still. Um, we have a strong militia where a lot of our employees help with fire if, if, if we're red carded, if we want to, mm-hmm. I mean, it's everything from the timber, the timber shop, the wildlife shop, the fire shop, everybody still helps with timber. Some places you go and the fire shop does most of their prescribed burning. Mm-hmm. Ours, we're still involved with it. So we'll spend a lot of the spring prescribed burning. Um, then right now we're, we've got a lot of, uh, contractors cutting uh wsi which is wildlife stand improvement which is a lot of mid-story reduction in some of our some of our timbered areas um like previous areas of timber sale we're going back in and and reducing the mid-story and trying Mm -hmm. to get more of a more of the pine woodland component kind of a lot of these are still a little a little higher basal area than what you would want in a in a woodland, but it's still getting a component where there's a grass and forb component underneath the pine. Sure. We're mainly we're predominantly shortleaf pine here. Um, there is a decent amount of hardwood in places, but a lot of it's it's predominantly shortleaf. Um, it just our that's the best thing with wildlife. Our our job varies from day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, I did. We help with game and fish quite a bit in doing. Um, they're doing a turkey, a, a turkey um, study in the state of Arkansas. I mean, you guys have touched on turkey, the sure. turkey population declines. We were helping them where they're, they're, they were doing radio telemetry on some through uh, like some college graduate studies. They were doing radio telemetry on some of the turkeys. Now they're banding some and kind of doing some camera surveys so they uh they were doing the cannon nets we got to help them do that and then studying doing some turkey population study stuff um we helped with bear den surveys mm-hmm. arkansas has a strong black bear population and they're they kind of do a, a bear den survey to check population check the reproduction rates of the bears to make sure that their seasons are correct still and they're not they're not hurting populations so sure. help with with that it, it varies from season to season honestly absolutely and doing. sounds sounds like day to day um but the, but there's one thing you know that the podcast here we certainly want to cover and i think that especially in, in your area being actively timbered and managed there's a lot of things that you guys are doing though, especially you know from the forestry side, but then you're you're tied into it from the wildlife stand wildlife side and these wildlife stand um, improvements and we you know what does that truthfully look at like walk us through the process of okay, you know the forest service comes in, identifies a a stand of timber that gets maybe a commercial harvest on it and then goes in and, and has this follow-up WSI, which we would technically, or, you know, call it a timber stand improvement, but you guys are terming a wildlife stand improvement. Um, you know, how, how, walk us through that process. Well, I guess we'll say I've, I've worked in, in timber as well. Well, the forest service is kind of one of those, you, you kind of move to move up. And sure. I've worked in recreation for a period. I've worked, as a in the timber shop for a while mm-hmm. i even did a detail in the silviculture shop mm-hmm. so the, with the forest service it's all a process we have project areas that they they decide we do the nepa on and all the it's a all the environmental stuff sure we we pick that area we go in do all the environmental surveys all that stuff we have to put it out for comment to the public and that's where a lot of times you have kind of some uproar where they put it in the paper and people read, well, they're going to do clear cuts. They're going to clear cut the whole thing. But it's it's not it's not as – they have to put all that in there if we're 
in, if we're going to do any of those projects in that project area, you have to list that as a potential um, project in, in that in that area as a potential. I can't even I'm trying to think of the word to use as as a potential that we're working on. Mm-hmm. Like if we're going to if we're going to prescribe burn, we have to list that if we're going to do CSI in an area, we're going to list that if we're going to do timber thinning, we list that if we're going to spray noxious weeds, we're going to list that. Anything so, and everything, every type of practice that you would any, do in this area, any you practice would want we're going to do, we have to have it listed in that. Sure. And so we list all that in there. It goes out for comment, goes through that process. Once it's cleared, then they mark the timber in those areas, and we'll have. I mean, it's a it's a fluid thing where you go from project area, and a lot of times it's watersheds. We'll pick a watershed. Right. They'll lay out the whole thing. There'll be multiple timber sales in that area. And we've got the data on those timber stands for like age and species in those stands. And then we pick certain ones that they do a seed tree on, which is marking it down to a, it's a 15 BA. And in in this area that we're in, it's generally marked to a 15 BA. It's five of pine or five of hardwood, 10 of pine. Mm -hmm. And those are the older stands that they're ready to reseed. Right. And then we also have mature stand, which is the, the mature stand, but they're not to the oldest stage. You're just, you're thinning that to a 60 to 70 BA of the pine. And then they'll be ready the next time we come through those sure. project area. Sure. And then you have uh, plantation, that's a commercial thin of the plantation that's um, we mark it down to a 60 to 70 as well. And then um, that's the first time we have a commercial thin in them. And then before that, there's a pre-commercial thin where it's a plantation that we've, we've either had a seed tree in ours, in our area, there's certain areas that reseed themselves really well. So that's the point of the seed trees. You, you clean those out. You do the seed tree to let the pines reseed themselves in that. And then once, say, 10, 15 years down the line, we come in and, and thin that out with contract crews to let those pines flourish and grow to a commercial size. Right. And it's a it's a process as they move through project area to project area. Certainly. certainly. <laughs> and, and and what what's interesting and I think I may have I think I may have maybe misspoke earlier. I think I said that the Forest Service owned the ground, which is not true. You know, it's, let's say, publicly owned, but the Forest Service manages all of this. And, and so what's, what's interesting, though, is is that you guys discussed this with the public prior to doing any of this work. And I, and I guess I, just, I shouldn't say not prior to doing any of the work. You guys go through and do all of these site evaluations of and making sure you guys aren't going to endanger any uh, or, or destroy any um, you know threatened or endangered species in the whole process. You basically do a site evaluation and then come to the public and say, "Hey, listen, we've identified this area. We're we're good here. We're not going to interfere with everything. Here's our surveys, and and this is what we want to do." What yes. is, and we what also is... address the cultural sites or well, archaeological sure. sites in that too. Right. I mean, there's a lot of graveyards, Indian. There's a lot of Indian things that you have to look at before Native before American it goes out to comment for public. Right. Right. So, what like what are some of those um, comment you know typical comments and stuff that you guys hear and feedback? Because honestly, that's that's kind of the root of this podcast. We don't really want to address, you know the the public concern that that occurs with managing lands like this um so on a, on a typical you know i guess you guys do it like kind of ha- hold like a an open house deal one evening and kind of a t- town hall meeting deal or is it just c- comments and questions generally they email? they run it they run it like for the public um in like a newspaper okay i'm okay. i'm not involved in that yeah. In the in the listing of that. So I don't know as much on that. Sure. But it's you're listed as that. And that's where you end up getting the public like I think uh 
I think you were te- – I know Adam has had people comment on some in southern Missouri mm-hmm. where that's where you get the outcry of people read the comment or read the, our, our initial proposal and they see clear-cutting or seed tearing or any – just timber harvest and they see burning and they see spraying chemicals and they uh, they – freak out on it and think, oh my gosh, they're going to cut everything and burn it and they're going to spray it and kill everything. Sure. And it's, that's where you have some troubles of, you're, we're trying to manage the land and, and that's, it's one of those where because of that all being listed, people don't, I guess, look into it completely and just sure, see sure. the first initial thing. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's, yeah. this is going to be terrible. There, there's um, a lot of buzzwords in there that that in the past, because of misinformation or poor or lack of education, um, have some negative connotations toward it all. You know, you you think of like I said, fire, clear cutting, yes. timbering, all these things that that you know again have been spun and twisted um, that could give a potential, you know, harmful name to what could be happening. But, but truthfully, and, and honestly, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this podcast know that, right, all that is great, all that is good, but you're, from your perspective, you're actively out there watching and seeing these transformations of these sites take place. And so you obviously have a much different perspective on it. You're like, well, oh, this is awesome. Look at all this and, stuff. And see, I mean, I just touched on the timber side of it. Right. We also have all our wildlife projects. We have to claim this, the WSI stuff. We have, just on our district, we have these uh, native grass plants um, that are more of an open, they're more open areas in some of these project areas that we've labeled as a grass plot that we're managing for more of the warm season grass for diversity uh-huh. in those areas. And we had one this past year that we were, um, they're doing a, steward, a stewardship project where it's, it's too detailed to go into um, on, on sure. one hour podcast, yeah. but it's through the game and fish too. It's a cooperative between them and the, and the wild Turkey Federation. Mm-hmm. And we've got guys, uh, we've got a contractor that had a skid steer with a mulching head where we had some of these areas that were really grown up in, in Oak region that were, it was overgrown 10 to eight to 10 foot tall oh, wow. that were past our management with fire uh-huh. with to, in order to set those back, it would have been such a hot fire that we would have killed a lot of mature timber in that area. Sure. And a lot of these are old growth pine areas. Um, it's We've designated them as a management area that's an old growth pine area. And so we've, through the timber, the, the money's made in the timber, it goes back to the stewardship area. Mm. And we were having contractors go through with a skid steer and cutting that out, cutting the that brush story out to let, our forbs and warm season grasses grow underneath. Sure. And I mean, and that's, there's districts, we don't have them on our district, but there's other districts that border us that have the RCW or red cockade woodpecker management areas. They have red cockade woodpeckers. And that is a very, that is their foraging areas. The, the Oak, the old growth pine timber with the warm season grasses and forbs underneath. Mm-hmm. More of that savanna feel is what they need, is what they're foraging. Yes. And so you yes. guys are Pine, creating savanna it. slash woodland, and that's yeah. what we're creating that kind of that kind of uh, environment. And then, as a result, you're all your other grassland species that aren't in as much of a danger of population decline like say your bobwhite quail and everything else, they benefit from that management as well. Well, sure. Well, sure. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of different aspects to working for the federal government on this side, you know, and and a lot of the things that, that you're saying um, to someone who may not know or have worked in that side is like throwing out, you know, let's say abbreviations and different terminology, but 
basically, in a nutshell, what you're talking about is doing timber harvest, following up with intense TSI, um, and money that you would use goes back into the land to further improve it for said or stated wildlife objectives. And so you're just improving habitat, and, and, and the whole time you're managing the forest. And so it goes hand in hand, though, with what we talk about pretty much on a weekly basis with the Habitat Focus podcast is you have to be actively out there doing this type of work and then you put those resources back into the property. Maybe you put some in your pocket. Nothing wrong with that. But what you're doing is just further enhancing the land. So it can happen on a private side or you know privately owned land just as much as it can on a publicly owned piece of land. I mean, how many acres, it, Chad, is, is your district that you could uh, potentially cover? I can't remember right now. I would – because we're – we're combined two districts. We were originally two districts, and they combined them. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I can't, I, I don't know that number. It's, I mean, it's a big district. I don't, I don't even know where. Yeah. <laughs> what about I'm not, I'm not good from at one from one end of, to another? How many how many miles do you think it could be? It's this isn't the biggest. The, the district I work on in Missouri was a lot bigger district than mm-hmm. this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is probably we're pretty central in it. It's probably an hour, hour and a half to one side of the district, and maybe thirty minutes to forty minutes the other direction. Sure, sure. Um, the one in, when we worked in, in southern Missouri, that district, it was two hours to one side of the district, and then like over an hour to the other side. Right, and so. With that being said, though, it's easy for for the public eye to say driving, let's say you just drive through it, just a transect through it. You might not come across these areas that are being rather intensely managed, but you have to know that that it is going on in, in many places. And and so as you're driving through, you might say, wow, there's just, you know, there's not much happening here. It uh, doesn't look like it's managed. Um, but truthfully... There's not enough resources out there to to cover that no, large of an area. That's, that's the benefit to managing private land as opposed to public land. Sure. You only have you well, for instance, you only have so many burn days in a year. Uh-huh. We only have so many resources to burn those yep. on that day or on those days. So when you're looking and that's something we have to look at as far as our wildlife projects. We, in picking like WSI, where we're, where we're uh, thinning out the mid-story, we don't want to pick something to do that we're not going to be able to burn. So you have to pick and choose in those areas of where we have burn plans for, that we have burn lines in, that we're there on a burn schedule. Uh-huh. And so certain areas we have on a good burn schedule you hate to not keep them on the burn schedule to burn something that we might not burn regularly mm-hmm. because then that other that, that you've really maintained and kept in really good shape, you're going to end up Losing having that go much. back. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's so much land to manage that a lot of times you have to look at what you try to put your resources in the best use. And that's where some people are like, well, I wish they burned this. I haven't burned that. And it's like, well, this place has a mountain next to it. The right. resources in order to burn that are incredible. I mean, it would take a, it, it's, and we, we can't burn, we can, we have to limit the size of the burns that we burn. We can't burn just gigantic chunks Just willy nilly, yeah. So you kind of have to pick and choose where you, where prescribed burns are feasible. And in the same sense, then you have the other side and we've all heard the big uproars in especially in the southeast about burning that we're hurting turkey populations yep. and we're burning up turkey nests um and it's it's kind of one where you only have so many days to burn the the benefit to those areas of the burn some, you have to just look at that benefit and not we might burn up a turkey nest one day yes it's like that one day the benefit is going to be well worth it 
in the long run to one lost mass. It's 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 like comparing or when you're managing, you have to manage at the population level, not the individual level. Overall, yes. the number of turkeys out there that could benefit from this prescribed fire far outweigh that one individual nest that you might potentially lose because you do a prescribed fire. And I think that's where we, we easily can get caught up in things. Um, you know, it's similar to, you know, just the model of the, the Forest Service itself and public land and managing it. It's, we got to look at the overall thing and know that, yeah, even though not every single acre is being affected this time, there's still good happening out there. And from a hunting yeah. resource, well, we, <clears throat> why don't we do our, our research and figure out where it is, the, those areas that are being managed? We see a lot of times in public land management in general, a lot of times you see people looking for something to complain about. Yeah. And especially a seed in the burn and stuff, and it's one of those, I mean, I talk to enough people away from the Forest Service, and I'm always like, all right, this is not the Forest Service talking. This is me, my own person. And it's like they're, they complain about the burning, hurting the turkey populations. And I'm always like, okay, how, what percentage of land in the state of Arkansas is Forest Service land? I'm like, oh, tell me percentage. I'm like, all right, now what percentage of that do we actually get to burn? I'm like, yeah, and you can see the wheels turning in their head. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. so that little small percentage that we get to burn is affecting the population in the state as a whole. Like that, it's, and, and the other side of it too, and I always remind them, like, I'm on a lot of different areas. We have certain areas that we do have a very good burn schedule on. We have a lot, there's been a lot of timber management in that area. Uh-huh. Like, those are the areas that see the most turkeys. Sure. If we want to, if we want to hear turkeys, see turkeys if we're burning in that area and we're all excited to go out there early because it's like we're gonna hear turkey out there this morning uh-huh. it's like there's areas that, that when you work in and you're like huh this one doesn't have any management whatsoever we haven't had any timber projects in that area lately we're not gonna hear anything down there mm-hmm. and, and that's a great great illustration of actively managing an area and, and let's say you don't see the results year one year two year three keep after keep doing it the wildlife are going to respond it may not be at the drop of a hat or the flip of a coin it may take a little bit of time for that response in the population to um kind of take over that area but it can and will happen and i think you know that the whole scale uh, of things is is what i feel like is the root of the issue for, for many people like i said they they drive through your let's say your whole district they don't see one acre that got burnt doesn't mean that it's not happening it's happening and it's honestly it makes a lot of sense in the way that you guys have to operate is let's put the these resources in these areas that have been approved and we're doing this and we're making sure it's it's you know all of the management that's happening kind of coincides with one another it's not just absolutely random dotted across hundreds of thousands of acres you know when when you look at let's say what 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 do you think an average burn unit is for you guys like like in a fire um most of them are probably around a thousand acres okay. probably to, probably average because we've got smaller burn areas we've got some that are a little bigger um that's this in in arkansas we we had some some really big landscape farms when I was in Missouri. Right. It would be five, 6,000 acres. But, you know, you look at that and the people are like, oh, my gosh, that's so crazy. But when you look at the entire district and it's like, that's a that's nothing. So you nah, almost, you nah, almost it's have to. a very to, small. Small, small, small scale compared to the Big Apple. And you're like, if I just, what was the Forest Service, I just go around just picking random places and just say a thousand here a thousand there a thousand here a thousand there it's not going to have the same impact on the population and the studies that are occurring to learn more about the resources that we're managing as if you do it in these let's say units and and do these blocks all together now we get an understanding of of how the wildlife responds because a lot of these old growth a lot of the old growth pine areas they're we try to burn them on it every 
at least three year at least three year fire schedule. Mm-hmm. You try to have a fire interval of around three years, and sometimes if there's enough fuel, you try to do it in two, just because of a lot of the that hardwood re- region component is so strong and hard right. to, hard to keep out of them. But that's you try to keep them because after after three years, it starts to get they start to get big enough that it's harder to knock them back. Sure, sure. And that's when you go into some of those areas that are well-maintained like that. They're, I mean, gorgeous. I've sent you guys pictures. Oh, I think I mean, you guys yeah. have posted some in times. But, I mean, some of those where it's just warm-season grasses through big old-growth pine timber. There's all kinds of forward diversity through them. I mean, some of it is just incredible habitat. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And they're, they're great. They're great places for you. You you almost like as a, as a land manager, you're like, I just kind of dream about having something like this on my property. I just, I oh, would, yeah. I would love to be able to like emulate this, take this component and just shift it over, haul it out of here and place it on my acres. Take these five acres well, and just move it. You know, and I don't think, I mean, obviously I don't, I don't think a lot of your listeners feel this way but there seems to be a lot of times there's a a lot of negativity towards public land management Mm -hmm. as all they're just all they care about is money all it's about is money and like when they cut when we're cutting timber all they're just trying to make money it's just about making money right it's like there's so much more to it than that and a lot of i don't think they realize the the employees that are out there the pride they take in the habitat management in those areas, sure. the burn schedules, the, the guys that are in charge of the burning, how, I mean, our, the guy in charge of our fire down here, he's hunting public land just like everybody else. Right. Right. <laughs> and that's what, I mean, he takes great pride in the areas that he's working on. And I would, I, I would I say that's, that's, that's probably pretty common around the rest of the country is these, these people who are managing it are extremely passionate they put their passion into their work, and and from the outside in, you know, why why would you say it's just about this or you know, uh, just about money? People who are working in the forestry, outdoor, um, land management side of things, they're passionate people, so they care. They care about what's going on. Yes, that's. I mean, and and you see it in a lot of the project areas that we, a lot of the projects that we do. I mean, it's there's there's so much involved in them. And so many, I guess, goals in those projects as far as not just wildlife side, as, as just land management. Right. Seeing the benefits to it in, in everything, honestly, and the, the quality of the land, even. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, 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 guys so are, much... you guys are doing water quality surveys from a wildlife standpoint. Like, it's down to those fine points. And, and I think we have to care about that whether you're managing public ground on behalf of citizens or you're doing your own private ground, you better care about that stuff. You better be watching it. You better be um, taking note of it because that's what, that's what we're here to do. We're here to be good stewards of the land. Yep. And that's, I mean, and it, as you kind of touched on it, it seems to be, I mean, you see that in a majority of public land managers, they have a strong passion and really care about the land that they're managing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you've got Frank and Kyle. I mean, yeah. I, 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 I Adam was recording with while. them earlier today. And, and I can tell you how much they care about the land they manage. Sure. I worked on some of it. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those that, I mean, I haven't worked on a lot of districts, but a majority of the people really care about the land that they're managing. Well, because truthfully, for a lot of them, that's home. You yeah. know, they 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 made that their home. Well, that's their career. And you know, it, they may not. When you're dealing with with public land management, not not everybody cares about deer and turkey. Well, they don't sure. care about hunting. They don't all care about that, but in their own way, they care about the land, care about what they're managing. And a lot of times, if you're managing, I mean, you guys have mentioned it many times. You manage for all these grassland species. You're benefiting deer, deer, and turkey just as well as you are those grassland species. Sure. You manage for all these other, all all the plants and wildlife species that are not game species. 
you're benefiting your game species if you're managing according to what the land is supposed to be. That's right. That's right. You know, I think there's, uh, oh, I was talking with uh, Justin Adams from Pure Air today, and um, we're have a good podcast topic next week with him, but it was just going, it, it touching on basically celebrating the small wins in land management and, and, and identifying when you have a win and being okay of celebrating those littler things and knowing that that little thing that you saw is making a difference, whether it is seeing, you know, these insects pollinating some flowers or whether it's seeing um, your small game population kind of exploding, which had, we were, we were at, uh, your guys' family farm, what, it was a week ago, maybe? And just kind of almost admiring, even though they were eating food plots, the rabbit population. We're like, wow, look at all these rabbits around here. And you're sitting here yeah. looking at, at browse and the food plots, and it's like, whatever. They're having their meal, and they're having their, their uh, thing, too. But those little wins that are well, – there, it's a positive. It, it's showing – It was kind of one of those that we – and we looked at it as we know we're, our habitat is improving if we're seeing that many rabbits around. Well, sure. I mean, it's one of those that if you're seeing that many rabbits, there's a lot of people that, when we kind of discussed it, there's a lot of people that if they'd have seen that, they'd be like, oh, I need to kill all the rabbits because they're eating my food plots that my deer should be eating. It's like if you're looking at it in that scape, you might want to check yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we we didn't have a an actualization of, of what's occurring on the landscape and knowing what role that rabbit plays and what role that habitat plays and what role that yeah. deer plays. We all can fit in here. We just need to realize it. And I think that goes back, like I said, to, to the whole public land management. We need to celebrate the winds when we're, when we're driving and seeing, you know, landscapes being changed and altered when we're seeing timber practices, um, you know, or timber harvest, or we just hear about them um, on on public grounds, and that's well, that's awesome. That's exciting. Something something I see some in, in a lot of huh, in a lot of the public land management side, you see, and and we've talked about it a lot of times. Renovation of land, reclaiming it, and getting it back to what it should be, it, it takes time. It's mm-hmm. not something that happens overnight. Correct. And you'll see, say, going in and like, well, where we hunted two years ago in the spring up on Glade Top. Yes. Where they've done all the cedar slashing. I mean, people look at that and think, oh, they've cut all these trees. They've cut everything. It's like, well, it's a process. They're restoring the glades that should be there. Yeah. And in a few years of burning, you're going to see that just explode with all kinds of forbs that should be there and hopefully you see collared lizards running around it's like you can't take it in one year and and get rid of those and they just disappear and it's beautiful in one year and And and, and a lot of it didn't get that way and didn't get that let's say poor of habitat in one year there was there was neglect or whatever that happened and to the untrained eye like you're saying it's gonna look like an atomic bomb may have gone off but to well, the person it, it who happens, the process, it's awesome. It happens so slowly that they don't even realize it's happened. That's that's. I mean, the, the cedar encroachment, they don't even realize. It's just all of a sudden, it's like where you talk about putting the putting the frog in a pot of water and, and turning the heat on. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't realize it until it's too late. Yep. And it's the same with the cedar encroachment. People think, oh, our habitat hasn't changed. It's like... It's changed. It's just been such a slow process. You didn't realize it. And 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 hopefully, to restore it, it's quicker than what it took to change. But you have to see change, or there has to be change to the visible eye. I think that's what is alarming and scary to people. And 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 yeah. you know just as much as I do that the landscape itself is very resilient. It's very strong, and it's going to take pretty considerable change if we want to make this restoration process whether you're on private ground or whether you're on um, public ground it's going to take quite a bit to get it back to what you know it's not just going to be the snap of a fingers it's not going to be drop a couple trees here and there and call it a woodland it takes time 
it's kind of, I mean, I guess a lot of times we as humans hate to see change. We hate to see any change in anything. And a lot of times you see where somebody's been hunting a stand of timber their whole life. Yeah. And it's never changed. It's never changed. Well, it's, it's matured. It's very close canopy. There's very small wildlife benefit to that. And then you go in and move log trucks in and go to log it. Oh, you're destroying this. This was great. It's like, yeah, it, it's not what it's supposed to be. We have to manage that land. If you want it to stay great, sometimes you have to bring it in and turn it over and start again. Yep. You have to restart the system. You can't leave something there and expect it to be the same way forever. Changing and disturbances are good. It's a good thing yeah. in the landscape. Gosh, we could talk about that for ever and ever and on, it, on a podcast. And it may be, I mean, it's it's one of those that, yet again, it may be in a different scale and a different type, but it's diversity just the same. That's if right. If we can go in in a, in a project area and we have seed trees, we have mature thins, you have the commercial thins, you have all that, and then we go in later and we're burning and we're WSI in some of those stands, there's diversity throughout that project area. Definitely, it's, 100%. You know, I I appreciate you coming on and sharing what it is that you do. One, because um, there's a lot of people out there, um, whether you're looking to have a job similar to kind of what we what we all do, um, you know, that's an avenue, Chad, of the route that you've gone um, to, to work in this type of field. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's served you really well, and and it's a rewarding job. Um, so thank you for sharing that, but also for sharing what it is that, you know, public ground forest service is doing and why they do what they do. Um, and, and I'm not here to say that everything that they do is right. You know, we, everyone, <laughs> everyone can look and, and say that there's, you know, uh, I, I don't know what's politically correct here. I think anyone Anyone in their own workplace would be lying to themselves if they thought they agreed to everything that they do. Sure. Sure. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. obviously there's things we do that I'm like, eh. but yeah, no doubt. it's not my choice solely. It's, and yeah. that's what, why it works. I mean, that's right. It was kind of one of those where you kind of saying it. I started out in recreation where I was on a four wheeler area. Mm-hmm. That's what I, st- my job started. I was in recreation working on a four wheeler area and, and, going around checking recreation areas so just another whole side of the forest service where we have to also consider public land recreation yeah not everybody's looking to hunt in the forest i mean there's people wanting to hike there's people wanting to ride bikes there's we have to have areas that they can ride four-wheelers it's it's one there's a lot of other things to consider besides just wildlife you know chad here's the way i look at it your job's a lot tougher than mine because you're trying to appeal to all the public landowners and I tend to work with more private landowners and there's usually one owner maybe two or three that you're trying to help and fix and appeal to with their land versus millions across the country that are trying to enjoy your land that you're managing you have a lot more critics out there oh there's (laughs) everyone everyone's a critic (laughs) yeah no doubt you just have to do it you have to be able to explain it to the people. Yeah, you you have be to have able an to understanding explain it in a way that they can understand it. Yeah, and explain to them why it's a benefit. Well, shoot, I don't, I don't know how many times still... we we've done that just with like the Prairie Hollow property and your guys' property. People driving the gravel road um, have stopped and asked, like, "Hey, what what's going on over there? Why are you guys doing that? Well, what if you did it this way? Well, well here here's why we chose not to, or why that's not the best option." You, you also have to go into it with the mindset of a lot of those people haven't researched it as much. They don't, that's not a passion of theirs. Sure. They just see one thing and wonder why. Wh- which is great because it opens up the opportunity to educate them. Yeah. And that's the key is if they have an open mind to it to yeah. where you can explain it to them. Sure. Absolutely. Well, again, I, I appreciate you coming on. I'm, I hope that this podcast was 
a little eye-opening to, again, what's happening out there across the, the landscape, both private ground and public ground, um, you know, why your the entity that you work for does things um, the way they do, and know that an overall just general land management, land improvement, land restoration mind frame is kind of the angle at which they go to to try and manage such vast areas. Um, so if if you're a public land hunter out there, I would say certainly call in to folks in um, chat like your position. If you're looking to go and hunt an area, by gosh, you'd be a great resource to tell them, hey, where, where they should go and hunt, what <laughs> you've been seeing. Gosh, you know these areas inside and out and where the – the latest um, techniques have been applied and, and where to avoid at the same time. Yeah. And even if, even to people that don't aren't looking for a hunting area, just if they have an area they're hunting, go to the offices, go to the forest service yeah. offices and ask them questions about it. Sure. I mean, ask them, ask them for reasoning in that stuff. Don't just, don't just get on social media and bash them on something. You don't, you don't understand why they're doing it. Go yeah. and ask them. First. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All great points. Well, um, man, I appreciate it. We'll we'll see you back up this way in a couple days. Uh, or tomorrow. Be, or uh, that's right. <laughs> that is tomorrow. Wow. Um, we'll be back up for the Fourth of July. So, man, appreciate it. Anytime. All right, Chad. Take care, man. All right. We'll see. You. Well, there you have it. Another podcast in the books uh, with Chad Keith. Um, I'm, again, hopeful that 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 right there kind of educated some people on what in the world public land management is all about and how it is improving land. Um, Again, that's that's one small sample size. That does not mean that... um, Every four services is using those techniques and applying them because um, different areas call for different management. But um, there is active management going on, uh, and it's definitely there from a, a landscape mindset to improve the general um, overall land use for lots of different interests across the country. So um, let us know your thoughts. Email us, info landlegacy.tv, or reach out through social media on Facebook and Instagram. And, uh, guys, we'll, we'll catch you next week. See ya.